a preacher's little boy inquired, Daddy, I noticed every Sunday morning when you first come out to preach, you sit up on the platform and you bow your head. What exactly are you doing? The father explained, I'm, I'm asking the Lord to give me a good sermon. To which the little boy replied, then why doesn't he? I want to tell you that some of the hardest messages to come and preach are those in which God calls us to live out. It's easy to get up here and preach theology. It's very difficult to step out and live doxology. Nancy DeMoss put it like this, sound theology should always lead us to doxology and transformation. If we understand the Scriptures and even can speak them eloquently, as Paul describes to us, but we have not love, we are sounding brass. Listen, if we believe in the blood of Jesus Christ and we believe what it means and we believe 1 John 2.2 2 to mean what it means, that Jesus paid the penalty for us, that is well and fine, but if it is not walked out in our life, we have missed the mark. I fear for many of us, as Sam Storm said, that theology has moved to idolatry. We have held so tightly to that which we believe and we have failed to walk it out in our lives. Today, in closing this series, we come to a great pivot point. What then do we do with the knowledge of 1 John 2.2? 2, that Christ became the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for that of the world. And what do we do with this word propitiation? How do we take the theology and move it to doxology? If you have your Bibles, take and turn to John chapter 21. John chapter 21. I ask that you stand in honor of the reading of the Word. John chapter 21 and verse 15. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, 
do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything and you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. For truly I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, Jesus said to him, follow me. Let's pray together. God, those words ring. Follow me. God, I pray that by the end of this service today that we would have a renewed commitment to follow you. That we would look at the blood of Jesus Christ and understand our call to go and tell the world, to love them, to love each other, and to fall in love with you every day. God, I pray that your word would speak this morning. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. John chapter 21 comes after some of the most amazing events ever recorded in history. Jesus has just spent Passion Week healing multitudes. Even John himself wrote that all the things that Jesus accomplished, all the things that he did, could not be contained in all the books of the world. Jesus has done amazing things. And then he is falsely accused, rejected by his own, sat before a crowd that would ultimately yell, crucify, crucify. And Jesus would bear a cross, not only physically walking up the hill of Golgotha, but He would bear the sin of the world as He took the wrath of God as God's wrath was outpoured on Him for you and I. And if that was not enough, Jesus, three days later, would raise from the dead and give us something worth celebrating. New life. Eternal life found in Him. And one of the greatest proofs that Jesus did raise from the dead is found in the Scriptures following that. We see in John 20 that He appears to the women in the garden. He appears to the disciples once and twice in the upper room. And then in John 21, He appears to them a third time. Something that's greatly important about that third time is that in order for something to be clarified, something to be validated, you not only had to have three witnesses, but you had to have two different accounts of it. Jesus appeared to his disciples three times. This last time is particularly important. In the first part of John 21, they're out fishing. They're fishermen, that's what they do. Still hadn't caught on to the whole, I will make you fishers of men thing, but they went out and they were fishing. And Jesus is on the shoreline and he yells out to them. They've been out all night and they've caught not a single thing. And Jesus yells out to them, throw your net on the other side. 
hearing the voice of the master and understanding, they threw their net. And it says that they caught 153 fish. It's important because it validates the time and the place and the circumstance. Jesus was very much alive. And when they brought the boats back in, Peter could not contain himself. And he jumped out of the boat and he ran to the shore. And he saw Jesus. And Jesus said, Bring some of the fish. Let's eat. Come and have breakfast. You want to know that Jesus was physically alive? Well, he ate real food. He ate fish and bread with the disciples. I wonder if they recalled the time on that mountainside when he took and he fed 5,000. And Jesus is sitting amongst them. And I believe Jesus, wanting redemption for Peter, asks him a very interesting question. Do you love me more than these? In verse 15. Why is that important? Because the following two, Jesus just asked me, do you love me? But this one is important. Do you love me more than these? You know why it's important? Because earlier on in the Scriptures, we find Peter sitting there telling Jesus, I love you more than these men sitting here. Jesus, I, I would die for you. Peter's the one drawing the sword in the garden. And Jesus has one more thing to do before he leaves this earth, and that's to find Peter and find out where his heart is. You see, the main call of John 21 is that Jesus wants us to know him, and he wants us to make him known. And the main idea is that the lamb is redemptive, he's restorative, and he's relational. Not only did he ask him three questions, which is interesting considering that Peter denied him three times. But he also put so much meaning inside these questions. I want to look through them today. John 21 and verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lamb. First thing today is that Jesus calls us to physically love the lost. To physically love the lost. There are two words that are distinctively important in this verse. Jesus asked this question, do you love me more than these? Using this word agape. That's the Greek word for agape love, for a sacrificial, unconditional love. He's looking at Peter and he says to himself, or he says to Peter, do you sacrificially love me? Peter, do you unconditionally love me? 
And what is Peter's response? You know that I love you. Important word. The word that Peter uses is phileo. Phileo. That's a brotherly and intimate love. Peter answers the question as best as he knows how. Well, Jesus, I obviously love you. I cut a man's ear off for you. Guys, if that's not love, I don't know what is. He said, listen, I love you. But Jesus also uses another word that's interesting here. He uses the word in his response to Peter, arnion. He said, feed my lambs, feed my arnion. When we see that, especially in contrast with what Jesus uses in verses 16 and 17, where Jesus is using this word probaton, which means sheep, group, a herd. I think Jesus is pointing to something here with Peter. Peter, do you love me enough? Sacrificially unconditionally do you love me enough to go out and love the lost do you love me enough to go out and love those which don't know me yet you see jesus is calling peter to physically love the lost feed my lambs church how are we physically loving the lost Are we? How are you personally, physically loving those around you that are bound for an eternity apart from God? How are you loving them? You say, well, you know what? I... I, I generally I, I just give to certain things, or when I see, you know, when I see somebody in need, I just I just throw some money at it. That's fine. Please don't stop. When was the last down last time you sat down with a lost person that was hurting? A lost person that was struggling in life. When was the last time you enjoyed some time? with some lost folk. I'm not talking about going out and living in sin. What I'm talking about is when was the last time that you were around them and they saw you more than just some fuddy-dud Christian that shows up at the wrong time all the time? Are you out there loving the lost? Jesus calls us to physically love the lost. Moving on to verse 16. John 21, 16. He said to him a second time, Simon, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. You see, Jesus not only calls us to physically love the lost, but if we're going to take the name of Jesus with us and bear the name of Christ on us, then we are called to patiently love the church. To patiently love the church. Again, Jesus calls Peter to a sacrificial love, an agape love, unconditional. 
Yet in Jesus' response to Peter, who's still using this phileo, yeah, I love, I love these guys here with me. Yes, I love them. Jesus' response says, listen, I want you to tend my sheep. And the idea here is not that he's just going to watch over them. Probaton sheep, the group. It speaks to the gathering of the sheep. And Jesus' words to Peter are translated for us, feed my sheep for continuity's sake in the text. But the actual meaning behind what's happening here is this idea of shepherding, and that's not even a good translated word. It's edifying, lifting up. Jesus is saying, Peter, listen. I want you to go love the lost. But I need you to love the church. I need you to patiently Love the church. I need you to be able to bear with. To look at unconditionally. Peter would struggle with this. I want you to love these that are around you. And I believe that Jesus' call to us today is the same. He wants us to patiently love one another. We need to love the lost, that's true, but inside these walls, we need to love each other. A minister told his congregation, next week I plan to preach about the sin of lying. And to help you understand my sermon, I want you all to read Mark chapter 17. The following Sunday, as he prepared to deliver the sermon, the minister asked for a show of hands how many had read Mark 17. And every hand in the congregation went up. And the minister smiled and he said, Mark has only 16 chapters. I will now proceed with my sermon online. Church, if we were to do that today on honestly, how many of us are loving unconditionally, sacrificially loving each other? Are we doing it? Are we edifying one another? Are we lifting each other up? Are we spending time focusing in on someone around us? Are we taking that young Christian and discipling them in fellowship with one another? Are we meeting together for the purpose of fellowship at all? It's been said of Baptist churches, they have a thousand meetings and none of them To spend time together. Why can we not? Why can we not seem to just love one another? Unconditionally. Sacrificially. Church, if we are going to see God move and continue to move among us, And if we are going to see people come to know Him, we've got to learn to love one another. Unconditionally. Jesus told them, they will know that you are my disciples. How? 
because you love one another. I want you to take a moment. Just think in your brain. Who's someone in this church that you haven't loved well? I want you to think. Who's someone in this church that when you hear these words to patiently love the church, you think to yourself, in our own self-righteous thoughts, oh, I've been pretty patient with them. All the while, grumbling all the while, harboring feelings in your heart. We've got to love one another. Verse 17, not only does Jesus call us to physically love the lost and to patiently love the church, but Jesus calls us to passionately love the call. Jesus changes His wording here. He used a different word for love this time. It's it's phileo love. It's an intimate love. Some suspect that the use of phileo by Jesus here was to come down to Peter's level so that Peter could understand what Jesus was asking. Some suggest that John often interchanged the two words for love in his gospel. But I want to challenge us with this thought today. Jesus wants to communicate a passion that comes from intimacy, from closeness. To something or someone. You see, Jesus would immediately follow verse 17 with a prophetic word of how Peter would die and die for the name of Jesus. Peter had to passionately love the call of Christ if he were to glorify him by dying for his name. You see, if you look with me at John 21, 18 and 19, Jesus would give prophetic word to the manner in which Peter would die. I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and they will carry you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to signify the manner in which Peter would die. You see, Peter would go and he would die on a cross. Jesus had just spoken about Peter's life and ministry. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. And now he's talking about Peter's death. What could be a downer, Jesus? This must have come as a shock for Peter to have his death so openly conversed about. Peter's on a cloud. Peter, realizing realizing within himself, I know that the text says that he was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? Peter recalled the three times in his mind that he had spoken the words, I do not know Jesus. And Peter is seeing now that Jesus is restoring and redeeming him and calling him back into the ministry. Christ has brought him back into fellowship and apostleship. Why would Jesus even mention martyrdom at this point? Think back to the first time that Jesus spoke of his own death in Matthew 16. What did Peter do? 
Peter opposed it. Peter opposed it. Didn't want Jesus talking like that. Peter's even the disciple drawing his sword when they come to take Jesus away. Peter's the one who would boast he would die for Jesus. And Peter failed miserably at that the first time. Anyone who yields himself to serve the Lord must honestly confront the matter of death. That's what Jesus is trying to accomplish with Peter here. If you are truly going to follow me, if you are truly going to pursue me, if you're truly going to be what I've called you to be, you must establish this matter of death. Only when a person has settled this matter of death is he truly ready to live and to serve. Jesus' death is a repeated theme here in the Gospel of John. Jesus knew His hour would come and He was prepared to obey the Father's will. We as followers, we must yield ourselves just as He yielded Himself up and, became, and become living sacrifices as Paul admonishes us to in Romans 12. And we must be ready to be offered as he instructs in, first, in 2 Timothy. If it's the will of God for us to die, for His name, for His honor, living out His call in our life, then we must be okay for that. And here's what I would encourage you with just at this moment. If you're not willing, now listen, I understand that we live in America, we live in the land of the free, the home of the brave, we live in a place where we have religious freedom, praise God that we do. But I want to ask you this, if you are not willing, if you are not willing to lay down your life for the name of Jesus, then I would be glad to either disciple you towards it or disciple you out the door. We must understand that to passionately love the call, we must be willing to lay down our lives for it. You see, earlier that morning, Peter had jumped into the sea and ran to the shore to meet Jesus. But the day would come when another would take charge of Peter, as Jesus says, and kill him. Church history and tradition tells us that Peter was indeed crucified, but he was crucified upside down because he felt that he was not worthy, according to himself, to die like his master. But Peter's death is not a tragedy. It brought glory to God. The death of Lazarus glorified God. In John chapter 11, Jesus' death would glorify God. Paul's great concern was that he glorified God, whether by life or by death. This should be what we desire as well. To glorify God, not only with our lives, but when He calls us home. And if He calls us home for His name's sake. We must passionately love the call. Think about this. You passionately love your child. Willing in a moment to lay down your life. You passionately love your spouse. Willing in a moment to lay down your life. I passionately, passionately love church around me. 
I passionately love my parents. I passionately love many things. I passionately love Oreos. Willing to lay down my life. How silly of us that Jesus Christ, the propitiation for our sins, we even have to think or question whether we would lay down our life for Him. Why? Why even do any of this? Why even live a life that claims the name of Jesus Christ if we are not willing in death to glorify Him? John chapter 21 and verse 19. After saying this, he said to them, follow me. Jesus calls us to follow him. Jesus' words, follow me, must have brought new joy and love to Peter's heart. Peter, remembering the time that he was at the fishing boat and Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And Peter, seeing his risen Savior, the one who had conquered death, now being redeemed, Peter looks and says, I will follow you. What do the words of Christ invoke in you today? I want to to challenge you with this. 1 John 2.2 Christ has been made the propitiation for our sins. And not only us, but for the whole world. You see, when Jesus says, follow me, he means to the ends of the earth. When Jesus at this time said, follow me, he didn't mean, listen, y'all going to walk up this mountain, you're going to go with me as I ascend into heaven. That is not what Jesus meant. Jesus meant, listen, You are going to follow me to the ends of the earth. If there is anything that the blood of Jesus did for us, it was not only to forgive us of of sin, but also give us a passion, a calling, a whisper to follow me. The theology of the blood of Jesus Christ does absolutely nothing for us. If we do not follow him to the ends of the world. Church. Christian. When Jesus says follow me. What does that do within your heart? The challenge that I had to come to. The reality that I had to face. In coming before this message, am I willing? Does the blood of Jesus mean more to me than just my own personal forgiveness? When Jesus says, follow me, am I jumping or am I slowly, reservingly, hesitantly saying I will. Let's pray together.
Oh, church. Church, how many times have we failed? How many times is Jesus speaking to us? Do you love me? For Peter, it was three. He denied him three times. And Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Church, how many times have we denied him? Not openly, not verbally, but with our, with our actions, with our motives. How many times have we denied him with our intentions? How many times have we denied the blood of Jesus? Church, I need to call us to two things. Church, I need to call us to repentance. As a church. How many times have we denied the blood of Jesus because it didn't suit what we personally desired? How many times have we denied the blood of Jesus because it didn't fit into our little church mold? How many times have we denied the blood of Jesus by not leaving these doors and proclaiming His name? Second is this. Not only a call to repentance, but a call to follow. Let's follow Him. Not with word, not with intention. Let's follow Him with deed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Here's what I need. I'm going to ask our ushers to go ahead and come forward. Find your place on these front pews. And here's what I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask the men of this church. Men, you're called to a special leadership. And this doesn't belittle the woman. Rather, it edifies her. Men of this church, I'm going to call you to join me. Praise team is going to sing, and as they play, I'm going to call you to join me at this altar. And let's ask for repentance as a church. For all the times that we've denied Him. And let's answer the call to follow. Men, I'd ask you to go ahead and move this way. Men of this church, would you come and pray? Those of you remaining in the pew, here's what I need. I need you to pray. Pray for your pastor. Pray for those in leadership. That as we move forward into following what God has for us, that we would not just do Him lip service. Christian, in your own life, In your own life, you may need to pray for repentance. Pray to answer the call. As they sing, let's pray.
was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. My chains are gone, I've been set free, my God, my Savior has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing Amazing grace. 